Welcome to Central Christian Church Online. My name is Michael, and I get the joy and honor of serving on staff here. And my job title is awesome. I, I get the privilege of being the Youth and Community Engagement Director. And I, I just love what I do because, honestly, it's Jesus who brought me here. And he really did change my life. He really did do great things in my life. And so I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you guys today. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I kind of felt like, hey, let's just ask God what he wants to say to his people or, or to say to, to people today in this generation. And I felt like God was saying that this generation needed to be bold. And so as I started to think about what boldness meant or, or just what it meant to be bold, I started to think of my life and, and areas of my life where maybe I thought that I was bold. And, and the first thing that I kind of thought of is, is that moment when I was going to ask out the girl of my dreams. You know, that requires some sort of boldness. She's that Proverbs 31 baddie on fire for God, the girl that I've always desired. And I go up and ask her out and she says no. And nothing really changed. And that boldness and that kind of mindset and like, oh, I thought it was all macho. Nothing changed my circumstances. So boldness kind of, you would think that it would require some sort of change in your life. And so I started thinking of maybe other ways where I was bold. And uh, one time I went to Kona, Hawaii, and there's this place called the end of the world. And it's Simplicity, all it is, is just a cliff. You can go cliff diving, and it's about 40 feet. And so I'm standing at this cliff, and I'm telling myself, you know, Michael, if you want to be bold, you got to do this. So I jump off this cliff, and I land in the water, and nothing changed. My circumstances didn't change. Nothing really seemed to be different. And I started thinking, like, well, I feel like boldness really does have to shift something. And so... Well, let's see what the Bible says what boldness is, okay? And so I go to that, I start studying boldness, and there's a Greek word for boldness, and that word is parousia. And parousia, in simplicity, all it means is freedom of speech, confidence, and fearlessness. And how many of you guys know that when you encounter the love of Jesus, you then understand that you have the solution to all the world's problems? It's like Jesus has the ability to, to really change the circumstances that we're sitting in, the circumstances of the world. And, and at that point in life, man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He is on your side. And, and you kind of get this new kind of confidence. Maybe you feel on top of the world. You, you, you got that walk that maybe Conor McGregor has. That it's just some sense of pride. You feel really big. And it's because you have the King of Kings on your side. And so with Jesus, you gain a new kind of confidence. And, and you get that because um, it's actually biblical in Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And if that doesn't give you a new kind of confidence, if that doesn't give you some sort of boldness, I don't know what will. And now if boldness is confidence, I start thinking like, who are people outside of Jesus who have confidence in Scripture? Who carried confidence? Who carried boldness? And I start thinking of the Apostle Paul. And if you're new to the church, um, Paul was basically a guy who persecuted Christians for a while. Uh, he, he was totally against everything Jesus. He was totally against how it spread. And so um, he actually killed Christians. He did a lot of things that he shouldn't have done. And then he has an encounter with Jesus at the road in Damascus. You should check out his story. I encourage you. It's so awesome. But it's at that moment where he has an encounter that his whole life changes. His whole life is flipped upside down, and then he goes and preaches the gospel everywhere. And so there comes a point in his life where he's now in prison, and um, 
he starts writing encouraging letters to the church and he says like, you know, regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to still go and share the word of God. And I feel like that's what we need in our lives is that kind of boldness. Is what did he understand that maybe I don't understand, maybe that our church doesn't understand, maybe that people don't understand. And so I love this, this, um, this letter that he's writing to the church of Ephesus. It's in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, and it's a little bit long, so follow with me. We're, we're going to kind of dissect the last part of it, but I feel like you have to read all of it in order to understand the full story, and you can really hear his heart in the midst of, of reading this. And so here it is. It says in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For the reason, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insights into the mysteries of Christ which was not made known to the Son of Man and other generations that it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In this moment, he's kind of just crying for unity within the church. He's, he's crying for, for that kind of mindset. And he continues on to say, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. He understood that he could only be doing this because of the grace of God, which was given me by the working of his power. So only through him and to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, going back to the, all those moments where he persecuted the church. But this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. It continues on. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is the part that, that we're going to sit on and talk about for a little bit. But it says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory. But I love that it says that we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So we can't have boldness and confidence without faith in him. So we can maybe see little small glimmers of it, like jumping off of that cliff or, or going and asking out that girl. You might feel small ounces of boldness, but it's only through him that we actually get it. And so boldness is like this willingness to take risk. It's how we walk in courage. And when we carry that, that boldness, we're willing to go and share all the things that Jesus has done in our life because his will was always that we would receive mercy, grace, and love. And love, it ignites the most memorable moments of our life. And we'll share a little bit more about that later on. But I feel like Jesus modeled boldness to us in every single way that he did life. And so we're going to kind of look through a, a few things that he might have done or said over the next few moments. And, and we're, we're going to look at uh, the root word of boldness. And that word is bold. And so we're going to break that word down into to four different things. And, and the first letter that we're going to look at is the B word. And it's not the word that you're thinking of, but it's uh, B as in breaking the norm. And so breaking the norm, you kind of think of like, what does that mean? It's kind of the whole life of Jesus. Everything that Jesus did was out of the ordinary. 
It's perfectly described in scripture what he did. And it's probably found in in maybe a verse that we all know. It's a verse that's probably gone famous. It's a verse that shares the gospel in its true nature. And it's found in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, that kind of reality is so different. When you look at scripture, um, the whole Old Testament was, was man trying to find his way back to God. Adam and Eve are in the garden and, and, and sin enters the world and, and we see it throughout the whole Old Testament and everyone's trying to find their way back and, and then God just says, you know what, I'm going to do something that hasn't been done. I'm going to send my son. And I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to say, hey, you did this wrong. I'm not going to write down a list of things that we all have done that's wrong, but I'm going to go in there so that way you could inherit the kingdom of God. And what he does, it's an uncommon approach to common people. And I want you to think about your story. If you're a believer, um, he's been so unique and, and, and the way that God operates is so, so intentional to our lives. You think of the billions of people on this earth. We all have different fingerprints. We look different. We smell different. All the differences and his, his story to us is so unique. And so over the next few moments, I want you to just re- remind yourself of your story that you have been walking through with Jesus and maybe you're new and, and this is your first time and you're still checking things out and you don't know uh, where you're at with your walk with God. But I encourage you to keep coming and, 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 and building on that and, and learning about who he is and who he is to your life. But his, his, his whole thing with us is unique. It's out of the ordinary. But the whole message of this John 3.16 is that sacrifice was the solution and love was always our inheritance. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. But he was so creative and he was so bold in his approach. He was so bold that he would go to a cross for me. A, a young man who, who maybe would deny him, but he would still go because he loved me. And that, to me, is something that's out of the ordinary. And you can look out through Scripture. There's so many things that he does that is out of the ordinary. Jesus came down to earth that I might become rich. He became a servant so that I could be set free. He was perfect, yet he was treated like a criminal, even to the point of being nailed on a cross. And on that cross, he became sin for me. And now he intercedes for me. He works all things together for my good and for his perfect purpose. And there's nothing that can separate me from his love. This world needs an uncommon love to approach common issues. And I think that's the reality of, of what he did is he, he broke the norm of what, what being a religious leader looked like. He, he went in and he did things different and it's what challenged people. And so how, how do we as believers kind of break that, that norm, that kind of mindset? Well, I think it's through the O, it's through obedience. And Jesus kind of sets the standard of what obedience is. He listens to the Father regardless of how difficult it may seem. Look at Philippians 2.8, and, and it says, Being found in human form, Jesus coming down to earth as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's a moment in the garden where he's saying, like, God, if, if, you, if this cup can pass, then let it pass, but if not, let your will be done. 
And anything that he did, he, he, he looked in the eyes of like, man, if, if the Father wants me to do it, I'll do it. And so what does that mean for the everyday believer? I would dare to say that obedience is the supreme test of faith in God and reverence for him. And so if, if faith in him is boldness and confidence, then obedience is that big test. And so when you look at that, when you think of that, you have to understand what obedience is. And obedience is not works. It's not like your job where you have to go and fulfill something in order to get a paycheck. It's nothing like that. It's not something that demands a return. It's obedience in the sense of saying, um, not, not like, oh, it's a chore. I have to do this. I have to take out the trash. It's not obedience in the, in, in the sense of a, of a, a human to its dog saying, come, sit, stay. It's obedience in relationship of a father to a son. And it's obedience is something that we take delight in. It's something we want to do. It's something that we want to do to honor the father. It's how we show our trust in him. It's how we love him. It's where we get our boldness from. And I love how the psalmist describes it. There's a scripture in Psalms 1 and it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. And now, I don't, I don't think that's someone just um, all day just looking at the Bible, but I feel like it's taking what they read and going and actually doing. Because what it says is it says that this person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Delighting in the law of the Lord, desiring to obey him, meditating on it day and night. How do we apply that to our own lives? Well, we obey. And when we obey, it's how we prosper. And so it's one of the ways that we can know that we love him is just by obeying him. And I love this verse in 2 John 1, 6. And it says, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his command. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. You see, when we encounter Jesus, we can't help but walk in obedience because his love provokes us to do things. We want to do life with him, and it's our joy and our delight to partner with him. It's not some list of chores. It's giving our life to the greatest mission that God has called us to, and it's reconciling the lost to the Father. It's saying that we'll go wherever, we'll do whatever, as long as Jesus leads us, as long as it's a part of his will, we are convinced that he is God and he is good. You see, confidence leads us to obey. And obeying is one of the boldest things we can do. Obeying is, is, is just saying, man, I will do the simple things that you've required of me and God will do the rest. You know, I like to think of it kind of like this way of, of I have my relationship with me and my dad. And, you know, I've seen my dad throughout his life kind of um, do things like, and like simple tasks. I, I've seen him change the tires on the car. I've seen him change brakes. Um, I've seen him do his taxes, kind of things that uh, are simple in nature. But if you've never done it, you kind of don't know if you're doing it right. And so I remember um, the first time that I got a flat tire. I was in San Francisco picking up a friend from the airport and I had never changed the tire. And so the first thing that I do is uh, I was like, wow, I'm going to call my dad. 
Because the reality is I've seen him um, do that, and I, and I trust what he has to say. And so anything that he tells me to do, I'm probably going to do it because I've seen um, him do good things in my life. And so I call my dad, and he says, hey, this is what you got to do. First, make sure you're in a safe place. Do A, B, C, and D, and surely you'll get home safely. And so that kind of thing happens too. Like if we can trust our dad with those kinds of things, I feel like that same kind of mindset has to go when we approach obeying God. So how do we, how do we get A, B, and C from God? Well, it's simple. We read his word. We pray. We talk with him. We hear from him. God, what do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to, to help follow you? And we respond with obedience. It's as simple as that. And, and I'm a firm believer that, that simple obedience changes history. It was as simple as Jesus saying yes to the call of God in his life that we would all inherit the kingdom. It was as simple as saying yes. And now I, I know that it's probably going to be difficult in some areas. Uh, I've had moments where I'm like, man, I don't know if I really want to give this up. But I promise you those moments have been the greatest moments of my life and where I've always have found the desires of my heart were in the midst of saying yes to him. And so, so how do we know that we are obeying? Well, we have to understand something. And we got to understand love. And so Al in boldness is love. And we, we see love everywhere, right? We see it in, in movies. We see it in romance novels. Uh, it's promoted. It's a holiday. Uh, there's a whole, whole day that we, we just think that it, uh, love is, is the one time a year we can love somebody. Um, and it, it's promoted all over. But what is love? And it's not, baby, don't hurt me. It's something greater than that. It's greater than what we could ever conceive. It's greater than what we could ever think of. And it's found, I believe, in 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. Be ready. There's a lot of love in this verse. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we, we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one else has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You see, love was always the solution. Love was always the thing that, that would meet the needs of people. It's the one thing that we can all say that we have desired at some point in our, our life. And love is what initiated sending Jesus to earth. I had a moment in my life where I was like, man, why would he do that? I tried like learning all about like what, what could possibly have led someone to leave a perfect place to come into a world that is, that is so wrong and, and so, so corrupted. But it was love. It was him saying, look, I desire for them to know me. I desire them to be in perfect community. I desire the kingdom of heaven. And so love is seeing people for their eternal value. It's, it's despite if someone would choose to follow them or, or to do anything that they would still do, it. it's unconditional. It's that agape love. 
And when you meet Jesus and you experience his love, you start start doing things you never did and you start getting rid of things that you never needed. And it starts to produce so much value in your life that you have to give it out, that you give it to all people. And so I love that love is a big part of God's heart. And in 1 John 3.16, it says this, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And so love is essentially exactly what Jesus did. And then we only know love because he loved us. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. And so all the other ways that we might see love in, 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 in novels or movies, those aren't love unless Jesus in the midst of it. And I'm reminded um, of true love. As I was a high school student and, and I was going to um, a Christian camp, and it was kind of my first time in a, in a sanctuary with a bunch of people. And I remember the worship moment, and there was a bunch of people worshiping God. They had their hands up. There was a girl that was crying. There was a guy next to her that was kind of laughing, like he had so much joy on his face. And it was kind of a confusing moment for me. Because it was my first time at, really at, at one of these things, and I'm like, what is going on? And then I start hearing the words of these songs of, of how he loves us. And I start thinking of, of how he could possibly love someone like me. And I run out of this room and I'm sitting in uh, literally in the middle of the woods. And, and my friend comes up to me and he walks up to me. He's like, bro, why are you crying? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know how I can ever be loved. I start thinking of my relationship with my mom. For a long time, uh, my mom would kind of tell me things. Uh, she would say, hey, love you. Good night. And I, and I would just look at her and just say, good night. I would never fully receive her love. I would always argue with her. I would always um, hash out at her for whatever reason. And, and I remember telling my friend, man, I don't know if I can ever receive this love because I don't give it. I don't give it back to anyone. And he tells me, hey, bro, I would just encourage you, man, what if you just said sorry? What if you asked your mom for forgiveness and you called her? So I remember going and, and going to the one place there at camp that you would get cell service. And I called my mom and I say, Mom, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I suck. I'm the worst. I'm so sorry for everything that I've ever did. I'm sorry for any time I've rejected you. I'm sorry for every time I yell at you. And she, she stops me in the middle of, of, of me rambling. And she goes, Michael, regardless of what you've ever said, regardless of what, whatever you've done, you never had to do anything for me to love you. That regardless of it, if you would have received it, is that I would simply just give it. And it was in that moment that I kind of realized, like, man, I don't have to do anything to earn his love. Is that that same thing that my mom would do for me is that Jesus did that long before she ever did. And so I start thinking about love and, and I realize that love must be initiated. That love is, is the one thing that, that, that we all need. And I feel like the only way that the world will ever see it is if it's initiated by God's people. Now, people understand and they, they get small amounts of love, but they never get the true love until it's presented and, and initiated by God's people. You see, love produces the greatest moments of our life. Just, just think of that moment where you held your son or daughter for the first time. You did, they didn't have to do anything for you to love them. You just simply love them. Or maybe you're married and, and on the other side of that aisle was your, your, your bride or your groom and you just looked across for them and you understood that you loved them. 
It's those moments in life where we understand love. But this kind of love that I'm talking about is greater than anything you could imagine. It's a love that sacrifices for someone else's good. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly how Jesus set the standard. And I love that we as a church get opportunities to do that. I think of all the people in San Jose in the greater Bay area where that there's so many needs and all we got to do is simply love. I love that Jesus saw a need and he met the need. And I feel like that's why I'm so passionate about things like in community engagement is that there's so many people who, who don't have food and we as a church get to go provide that and get nothing in return but to simply love. That we get to do things like beautiful day and, and see a whole city um, beautified with just churches coming together with nothing expected in return but to love our city. You see, this world needs a love that's bold. And naturally, when we love, it draws people in. And when it draws people in, it, it begins a process. And that process is discipleship, which is our final point. And when you think of discipleship, you can look at all of Jesus' life. And what he does is, is, is everything in regards to discipleship. The whole time he has his ministry. You can study the whole thing. But, but what I want to look at is what he commanded us to do and sort of how he viewed that. And so this is the command in Matthew 28. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I love that it was an observation. I love that it was just say, inviting someone into our lives. And I believe that true discipleship is that. It's inviting people into our lives. It's not saying, hey, you got to do as I say. You got to follow me, this for that. It's just saying, hey, come check out my life. I love that Jesus, he invited himself into a boat. He invited himself to people's homes. He invited himself into people's lives and said, hey, this is how I do things. And they were so intrigued by who he was. And this, this honestly, it imitates the heart of God. And I believe that the discipleship is actually just relationship. But what kind of relationship, you might ask? Because there's some relationships that are life-giving, and there's some that are kind of life-draining where, where you just want to push back. Maybe you have that person in your family that you're like, oh my gosh, not again. If you don't have that person, you're probably that person. I'm just kidding. But some relationships are healthy, right? And some of them are kind of dysfunctional. But I would dare to say, and I think that a healthy discipleship relationship should be a Christ-centered friendship. Now, friendship, I think it's really big in the eyes of Jesus. And we see it so many places, but here's a few. It says in John 15, it says, Jesus referred to his disciples as friends. And in John 21, 5, he called some struggling disciples his friends. And in Luke 7, 34, the religious leaders described him as a friend of sinners. And here at Central, um, we have this thing, it's called the one friend focus, right? And I feel like discipleship looks a lot like reaching the one. You see, we don't have to fill up stadiums. We don't have to be the next Billy Graham. We don't have to be the next Tim Perkins. And we don't have to, 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 to fulfill the Great Commission by filling up rooms, but we can do it by really a one friend focus. And we can help fulfill the Great Commission by doing that. 
And that's the whole reason we as a church exist. It's we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. That's discipleship. That's how easy it is. But it would only happen if we respond with boldness in our hearts. And what it does, it takes a group of people. It takes you. It takes me. It takes all of us. It takes us to be bold. It takes us to, to break the norm. It takes us to respond in obedience. It takes us to respond in love. And it takes us to disciple. You see, people, it's going to take all of us, uh, people who will reach a common world with a common, an uncommon approach. People who obey the word of God, who obey, uh, obey the call of God on their life. People who love with no agenda. People who love beyond all measures. People who disciple, people who exist to help people find and follow Jesus. It requires us to be bold. I want to share a quick story with you about kind of one of the most bold things I've ever seen. And I wish I could say it was me. I wish I could say that this was fully my story. It's, it's everything that I did, and it's really not. But if you know me, you know that um, prior to this, I was working with a team called Youth with a Mission, uh, YWAM for short. And we would go to different high schools, and we would put on assemblies at their schools. In some schools, we were allowed to preach the gospel, and some we were not. And so the ones that we wouldn't be able to preach the gospel to, we would basically just share our stories, and we would basically say we were met by love. We, uh, we, our life was changed by love, and so we would replace Jesus with the word love. And so last minute, we got asked to come to this school, and, and normally we would do follow-up events at these schools, but we weren't able to do this because they had just heard about it, and they wanted us to just come and do the assembly. So we do the assembly, and, and we go home, and, uh, and the next, within a few days, we, we came back to this house somewhat close to the school, and we were able to do a worship night. And this teacher comes up to us at this worship night. And he says, hey, I just want to talk to you guys real quick, and I wanted to share a quick story. Um, you guys came to our school a few days ago. It, it was last minute. Um, but I want to tell you about this young girl who was very influenced by your love message. So they were supposed to give this, this um, speech in their class. And basically what happens is she walks up in front of her class. And she goes, I know we're all supposed to give a, give a speech on this topic, but I can't do it. And she starts to share. She goes, uh, this message of love that we heard the other day has been burning on my heart. And I want to share with you guys how I met love. How, how, how love changed my life. So there's this man who, who did something for me. He, he, he sacrificed his life so that I would know it. And she starts sharing about Jesus. She starts sharing Jesus to her entire class. And, and to me, that kind of reality is, is, is a young eighth grade girl who could basically give up her entire reputation for the next four years of high school, who, who's basically saying, look, I know the cost. If I don't share this, people may never hear about him. That requires someone to be bold. And I'm influenced by this young eighth grade girl who would go in front of all of her friends, go in front of her teacher, that she would share the gospel and it, and it would ultimately give her an opportunity to do something that no one's ever did and she breaks the norm. In that moment, she's so obedient to God and, and she's sharing love with an entire class. And I wonder what moments of discipleship have came from that. People curious about why she would do such a thing. But that kind of boldness provoked a teacher to come to a worship night. 
That kind of boldness, it, it took um, so much in her heart to do, but she knew it needed to be done. And I look at you guys as, as my friends and family within our church, and I wonder how we could become bold, how it could stir in our hearts. And, I, and I, that's why I say, let's go back to that moment where we met Jesus, that moment that he encountered you. You see, I, I believe that what stirred in her heart was that same kind of boldness and confidence that Paul had. That even being in prison, that he would say, oh, I still got to let people know about you. Despite being in, the, in front of her friends and, and everyone at school, like regardless of what they say, I still need people to know about him. You see, that boldness is what, what believers are required to do. And it comes through faith in him. And so I, I just want to pray for you. I want you to start to think about that moment that you had with Jesus. And I'm going to pray that God would, would ignite boldness in our hearts. That God would, would make us a, a group of people who are so bold that we would reach um, teachers, that we would reach people in the tech world, that we would reach um, doctors and everyone that we would walk with because of the boldness and our faith in Him. And so I'm going to ask you uh, right now to just open up your hands and, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God would, would, would mark boldness in your heart and that you would do what you are called to do and fulfills the Great Commission. So Lord, we just thank you for your people. We thank you that you love every single one of us, God. We thank you that you have, have found a way to each of our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that you want to use us. I thank you that, that, that you believe in us and that you trust in your people. And so, God, I just pray for this church. I pray for anyone watching, Lord, that they would have boldness stir in their heart, that they would be people who long to bring your name into everywhere that they go, that they would be people who long to, to fall in love with you, who desire to know your word, who desire to talk to you, who desire to obey and that would ultimately change this city, that would ultimately change our families, that would ultimately change our circumstance. And so God, we just ask that you take the will and we just say, Lord, yes to anything that you have for us. Even if, it, if it's uncomfortable, even if it's something we don't think we can do, God, we trust in you. And so God, I pray for boldness in our hearts, confidence in our minds, that we can do all things, that we, we know that, that it's a promise that we can do all things through you, God, who gives us strength. And so, God, I pray for your people. God, we love you, we need you, and we can't live without you. And perhaps maybe you have never encountered that love. Well, I want to encourage you to keep coming and checking it out. Or maybe you're ready to receive that love. And, and I want you to think of kind of that reality is that you don't have to do anything to earn it is that regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of how far away from Jesus you are right now, he's looking at you and he says, you don't have to do anything, that I simply just love you. And so if you want to receive that love, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. And so if that's you, uh, you, can, you can let us know, you can send us an email, and, uh, but I want to pray for you right now. If, if, if you want to receive that love, I, I just ask that if you're at home, just raise your hand, as a, just kind of as a saying like, yeah, man, I want this. I want to receive his love. I want to receive his freedom. And so I'd encourage you to just repeat this prayer. 
And so say, God, I love you. I need you. I recognize that you went to the cross to die for, for me. You took my sin. You took my shame. And you resurrected so that way I could inherit your kingdom. And Lord, guide my life. Use me to be bold, to proclaim your name, to love your people. Forgive me for any way that I've rejected you, that I've said no to you, that I've disobeyed you. God, I need you. Thank you for saving me, for bringing me from the darkness to light, from being lost to being hope-filled. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, man, we want to encourage you guys to, to join us and continue to to grow in our family and join our church family. We're so thankful that you would, would, would uh, say yes to that. And, and we just want to give a second to, to just cheer for you. It says all of heaven is cheering when one person says yes to Jesus. And so, man, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And we just want to thank you for joining us. And, and church, I just want to encourage you guys to go about your week and be bold.